This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the first live debrief of the season here on the Blood Red channel. I'm Matt Addison and our Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorst is alongside me to react to the Reds' 4-0 defeat against Manchester United in Thailand. Gorst, I suppose the first thing that we should say is that the result is completely meaningless. No one wants to lose 4-0 against Manchester United, of course, but Liverpool ultimately won't be that bothered. What did you make of the game? I mean... I suppose you could tell the difference between the two teams. sheets, couldn't you, really, an hour and a half before kickoff? You know, United pretty much full strength, obviously without Tani Maguire with the injury and Ronaldo, who's not on the tour, but Liverpool's team has got Isaac Mabea at right back, Luke Chambers at left back, Tyler Morton in midfield, Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho, obviously still inexperienced players themselves. So it was generally a team that was just picked to um, just to build up fitness, really, and momentum, which are obviously the, the, the key things that Jurgen Klopp's looking for at, at this point. And um, by 40 minutes, I think he'd already used something like 27 players. Um, so clearly, Jurgen Klopp was not quite as interested in the result as perhaps the uh, the, the Thai fans who, who come out, you know, basically worshiping Liverpool the last few days, haven't he? But um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing one in terms of I don't think the performance was, was too bad, it was just sloppy errors here and there. And, and United, with their as you say, pretty much a full strength team, they made sure that they punished those errors. There was some comical defending at times from Liverpool and um, United uh, have been, you know, they've been ahead of Liverpool. They started training a week before Liverpool and particularly with the quality of the players on show, um, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that it's United who, who've walked away as convincing winners because there was a um, huge disparity between the two 11s and obviously, as we say, United a week ahead in their schedule as well. So um, disappointing for Liverpool, but no, no great drama. It'll just be one that they'll uh, shrug off, and uh, the supporters who've come out will be disappointed, of course. But um, I don't think Jurgen Klopp will be too distraught as Liverpool's um, coach makes its way back to the hotel tonight. Yeah, more about the, the fitness than anything else, really, for these Liverpool players. I mean, you mentioned there that the performance was actually quite good. I think, especially considering it was three completely different 11s or certainly outfields, wasn't it, in the, each of the, the thirds in that game. For for Liverpool, it, even though they've lost 4-0, it wasn't really a, a 4-0 performance. It kind of felt like they probably should have scored at least one in that game. And I suppose it's just a case of getting up to that match sharpness. Yeah, it was just, just small errors, wasn't it, that made the difference. You look at the, the first goal from Jadon Sancho, uh, Isaac Mabea's clearance isn't great. Um, there was one, but it was, there was three who were kind of a fault for, for Fred, who's finished it off with a wonderful chip. Um, so it's just just those those fine margins, really. I thought Liverpool did okay at times, particularly you know, the first half an hour with, with Luis Diaz. I thought he, he played well. Um, Carvalho was, was showing what he's about. It looks like he's going to be an interesting player. But, but generally... Um, you know, Klopp won't be happy with the result, of course, but I think he'll be quite happy that he's, he's given so many players a, a real, um, you know, they've been able to, to get involved in, in some match practice for, for pre-season. And we've seen it in the final half hour when Klopp brought on the, the cavalry, the likes of Van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold, Salah, Nunes, you know, Keita, Thiago. I think when we've seen that, that they came on, the performance levels went up a notch and Liverpool were unlucky not, not to at least claw back some respectability on the scoreline, really, but... Uh, you know, ultimately, they've been um, they've been undone. But uh, you'd rather be undone in the uh, the Bangkok 
Cup than you would in the Premier League. So um, United will gain a small measure of revenge for the uh, the nine nil aggregate scoreline from last season. But um, for Liverpool, it's just about building up that rhythm and that momentum. And on they go now to uh, Singapore for Crystal Palace. You mentioned Fabio Cavallio there. Let's get into a, a few sort of individuals from today. I think he, along with Darwin Nunez, was one of the players that most Liverpool fans were looking forward to seeing. It was obviously Cavallio that started the game in the, the first half an hour. He was in that team, played in midfield, which is is interesting. What what did you make of, of his performance and, and kind of, I suppose, the, the position as well? We, we kind of thought he might play up top, but ended up in the, the left-hand side of that midfield three. Yeah, I think that's been one of the interesting points of pre-season. You know, where does Klopp see this young lad playing? We know that he's a versatile player who can play in a number of positions, probably best suited to an attacking midfield role, which Liverpool don't really play play with one in that system. So it's a case of where is he going to fit in? I don't think we can make any sweeping conclusions at this point. It was interesting to see him starting in a, in a midfield three, you know, a very kind of traditional Jürgen Klopp system. Uh, we'll see whether he, he starts there again against... Crystal Palace, whether perhaps he gets a little bit of a go in the forward line or, you know, perhaps even a little formation change, we don't know yet. But, um, yeah, he, he looked sharp. He, he looked neat and tidy. You know, the kind of traits that you will have seen if you recall any of his performances for Fulham last season en route to, to winning the championship. I think he's going to be um, a kind of interesting subplot to the coming season, really. All eyes are going to be on Darwin Nunes in terms of the new players. But I think he might play... Uh, I think he might catch people by surprise in terms of the importance on him in the coming season. I don't think he's going to be necessarily someone who's only going to be seen in cup games. I think we might see him a little bit more than perhaps some people think in the Premier League. But um, yeah, I think so far what we've seen from today is that Klopp um, you know, thinks that he could be an option in the centre midfield. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You mentioned the, the formation there, and that's obviously something that people have been talking about, the potential to, to go to a 4-2-3-1. But that was something that, that struck me today, the fact that Liverpool had that kind of player in that midfield. It's it's kind of almost having that extra attacking player, the extra creative midfielder, but without changing that formation. That, that's almost like a bridge between the two, where you get the extra player in there, the extra attacker, but you don't have to, to move away from that traditional Jurgen Klopp system that we've come to see and know. I mean... That's certainly something that, that I would like to, to see and, and would think possibly is, is slightly more likely than Liverpool completely going 4 2 3 1 every week. It, it kind of feels a bit more like that's the next step in the evolution. It's it's slightly more of a, a tweak rather than a wholesale change. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we, we probably put a bit too much emphasis on, on the difference between those two particular formations. It's not that much different when you're on the pitch. Certainly, if, if you, your third man in that midfield is someone who's a little bit more creative in the mould of a Fabio Carvalho. Um, we've seen it, didn't we, when, when Philip Coutinho was at Liverpool and, and you know, reluctant to, to use that name you know, too strongly at this point. But we've seen that he was... Playing in midfield when Liverpool still had Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, Mohamed Salah in the front line. So it's, you know, if Klopp feels that there is, you know, value in that type of player, he's, he'll have no qualms with, with still putting them in midfield. We, we have been used to a slightly more industrious three man midfield in, over the last three, four years, particularly when it was, you know, seen to be Wijnaldum, Henderson and Milner quite regularly, regularly didn't we? And then we've seen Fabinho, who's obviously a bit more of a defensive player as well, uh, Thiago. Probably in between both, you'd say, wouldn't you? You know, an archetypal centre mid. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think Carvalho certainly his his qualities are more suited to to an attacking midfielder as opposed to a defensive one. But um, 
Yeah, I suppose it's, it's just about having the options, isn't it? And it's, it's interesting that for all the clamouring for a new midfielder, um, I mean, Klopp said last week, uh, you know, we have one, and he, he name-checked Harvey Elliott, and I think he'll probably be playing centre midfield a lot more than he will be on the right side of the front three next season, but um, maybe they've got two in, in Carvalho, so... Um, yeah, it's early days, and particularly with young players, you know, they're still both teenagers, so I don't think they need to necessarily nail down a definitive position just yet, but certainly the versatility is, you know, the good traits to have for, for these young players, and, and Klopp, you know, as, as we've seen over his six years at Anfield, he, he values players who can play in two or three positions, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. We'll come back to Harvey Elliott in a, a second. We'll go back to, to Darwin Nunez first. Obviously, Liverpool had to, to wait until the, the 60th minute to, to see him came on in the, the final group of players. Obviously, one of those that's only just come back into pre-season training. Again, very early days. We don't want to make too much of a judgment at this point. But I suppose the, the thing for, for Liverpool fans is just we've seen him now. He, he looks very much a, a Liverpool player and, like I say, early days, but maybe uh, some promising signs in there. Yeah, there was one in, in the second half and he kind of took it down on his chest and he maybe took himself a little bit wider than he would have liked, but he struck a, a good effort to force Tom Eaton into a good save. Um, possibly should have done better with another one that came back to him from close range. I think he put it over the bar. But yeah, it's a very different striker to, to what Liverpool have had really under Jürgen Klopp, particularly since Roberto Firmino has nailed down that number nine role. Very much an old school archetypal target man from the looks of him. Um, Klopp was saying last week his belief that Nunes can play on the wing, but um, for me, I, I, he just looks like an out-and-out number nine to me, and Liverpool are going to have to adjust to that that style and play that difference in, in profile at the top of the pitch, but um, this is what pre-season's all about, and that's what it's there for, so you know, first game, I never expected him to play 60-70 minutes, um, thought he might have started, but um, you know, that no one could have kind of second guessed that team to plop her out. It'll be interesting just to see how he, you know, even even the, the Palace game to an extent, I don't Klopp will be too concerned for that one either. It's more when, when they get back to Europe and they play those two games against Leipzig and, and Salzburg, that's when you start yeah. to see, or that's when you want to see some progression, some fitness, some uh, more minutes essentially for, for the key men. Um, and then the Community Shield and that final one against Strasbourg, so um, still plenty of time to iron out the kinks, but they look like there was um, more than one or two to iron out there tonight, you know, just looking at, looking at the result first and foremost, and the uh, the sloppy mistakes that we've seen. Yeah, I think one or two other players that stood out to me, Harvey Elliott and, and Luis Diaz, both of those two looking lively. Again, probably not a coincidence that they've been in training since day one. They've been there a week longer than Van Dijk and Salah and Nunez and all of those players. Let's go with Elliot first. What what did you make of, of his performance? It's difficult to say, really. I mean, he, he was playing on the right of that midfield three, wasn't he? And that's where we're expecting him to, to play pretty much when he is selected this coming season. But I don't know, really. I mean, it's, it's difficult to make any huge judgments either way. He's still kind of you know, making his way back to full fitness. I'd imagine after that horrendous injury, he hasn't played too much as he's played a little bit for the 23s. He started at Southampton, um, but generally he hasn't played much at all. Um, so, you know, he'll, he'll just be one of them. He'll, he'll just carry on, you know, going through the, doing the hard yards in, in training, which I think the training's more important, isn't it, at this stage of the, of the schedule. The games you know, do serve a bit of a purpose, but, it's more about how much work can you get done in those double sessions. Um, 
So uh, I'd, I'd be reluctant to make any kind of definitive call on, on his performance or, or his, you know, I, I still think he's someone who is, um, we're still waiting for him to kind of become a Liverpool player almost, aren't we? You know, he, he joined, what was it, three years ago now. He's had a loan spell at Blackburn. He's had a serious long-term injury and, you know, his, his first real season in the first team was, was disrupted because of that. So um, I think he's starting afresh again this coming season and um, they've got a gem on their hands, I'm, I'm sure of that. Yeah, absolutely big preseason for him. It's a, an important preseason, I think, for for Luis Diaz as well. I think there was a few good signs in there today. As we say, it's it's still early. You don't want to be making big sweeping judgments on these players. But I suppose for for Diaz in particular, having been at Liverpool for for six months, not really had too much training time up until this point. This is this is going to be a really important period for him, isn't it? To kind of integrate himself into to what Liverpool's coaching staff want from him. Yeah, I, I think probably. Um... As much as anyone, this preseason's huge for him because you know he came in the, in January and he absolutely hit the ground running. Didn't he? he looked like he'd been a Liverpool player for years, but um, it'll just be one or two tweaks that I've, not, I've noticed Klopp mention a few times in terms of this preseason being vital for him getting used to how Liverpool play. So I think we will see a little bit of a different Luis Diaz this this coming campaign in terms of um, probably his defensive work more than anything. His offensive work doesn't appear to need too much work. Um, he's a live wide, isn't he? Every time we see him, he was probably Liverpool's best player while he was on the pitch, un- unlucky not to score with a, with a couple of, of efforts, forced to hang into a good save and, and you know pinged another one just wide. Um, played so much football last year, though, for club and country, or for clubs and country, it must be said. I think he played over 60 games for Colombia, Porto and Liverpool. I think, I think he played over 25 games for Liverpool, which when you think he didn't make his debut until February. It shows you how kind of hectic those last few months were. So, um, yeah, this pre-season's vital for him. Probably him and Nunes, I'd say, actually, the, the, the two who, who uh, this pre-season is, is most important for. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I'd say no one's really come out of today with, with, you know, massive amounts of credit. But I thought he was probably Liverpool's um, most eye-catching play while he was on the pitch. Let's finish then with a, a bit of a chat about the young players that were involved as well. Again, it's it's a hard situation for them to come into. You look at the young fullbacks that started, for example, Luke Chambers and Isaac Mabaya coming up against Rashford and Sancho. It's it, it's an opportunity for these players, though, isn't it, over the next few weeks to kind of integrate themselves. A, a nice story for Tom Hill as well, nearly two years out injured, managed to come back onto the pitch and, and play today. So I suppose for, for all of those players, again, can't make too much of a judgment on how they played, but... For them just to, to be involved in this is going to be a massively sort of enriching experience, you'd say. Yeah, I mean, great to see Tom Hill out there. You know, it's funny when Liverpool made all those changes and, you know, it's Thiago, Van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Salah, and then Tom Hill. Tom Hill comes along with, with the rest of them. So, a uh, great moment for him. I'm sure he would have enjoyed his, uh, his cameo while he was out there for, what was it, 30 minutes or so. Uh, Isaac Mabea started well. Uh, probably a fault for the first goal, wasn't he? But, um, again, he looks like he's going to be a real prospect, doesn't he? You know, so, you know, such an athlete, really, getting up and down that right side. A player who can play in a few positions. Sometimes he's played centre midfield. Playing it right back today. Um, looking forward to seeing him in, in the academy ranks this season. See how he progresses because um, it looks like someone who you know Liverpool can mould and, and make a player out of. I thought Luke Chambers did okay, neat and tidy at left back. Um, nothing too spectacular, but didn't really seem to put too much of a foot wrong either. So um, yeah, good. Uh, you know, a good run out for, for these young players who obviously would have preferred a, a you know a 
more favourable results. But um, they'll be absolutely loving this, you know, this time in Thailand, rubbing shoulders with with the big stars, getting a real taste of what being a Liverpool player is all about. And then it's kind of a little bit of an incentive when you go back to the academy ranks in, in a few weeks, isn't it? You know, you've had a taste of it. That's what you want to work towards, and that will be something that will drive them on for the coming season. Yeah, absolutely. It can only be a good thing, can't it, for all of those young players. But that will just about do us for now. Liverpool will hope, of course, for a better result against Crystal Palace on Friday when they take on the Premier League side in their second and final game in Asia. That one, obviously, in Singapore. Plenty more content to come before then as well. The Blood Red podcast, I think, this week will be a little bit earlier in the week, hopefully with a guest appearance from Ian Doyle as well, who's over in Asian in Asia, I should say, for us. More reactions to come across the Echo and Liverpool.com's websites as well, so make sure you check out all of the analysis over on there. But for now, from myself, Matt Addison, and from Paul Gorse, that's all we've got time for. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.